Ladies and gentlemen, Houston, good morning, good morning, good morning. We are here, we are here. Finally, the first episode of the Still Safe Show here on Houston's Inspiration Station Praise 92.1. We've got an incredible show for you today, one of my very, very good friends. But before we get started, before we get started, man, this is a momentous occasion. Like, not only am I crazy, crazy excited, this is the first episode of the Steel Save show, all right? This is a show where we break down the breakthrough. We sit down with some of the most influential people that I believe have some of the craziest stories of change and transformation. And my good friend, my dear brother, Sir Billy Dorsey Jr. Listen, can we talk about why I called you sir? Because it's not because I have a respect for my elders because you're not that much older than me. <laughs> Hey, so God has blessed. Um, uh, let me start by saying how proud of you I am, how excited I am to be a part of the first episode of the Still Saved show with my brother, David Settle. Uh, he's calling me sir because as of June 5th of 2022, I have been knighted. I uh, had the opportunity based on uh, some things that God has done in my life with philanthropy and with music to uh, to be recognized by the royal order. Uh, and uh, in, on June 5th of 2022, my family and I, my wife's family, we flew to, to Las Vegas, and the Prince of Spain flew over and did my investiture ceremony. And so uh, henceforth and forevermore, uh, I, I have the distinct honor of being known as Sir Billy Dorsey Jr. Man, listen, we are in the presence of royalty, 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 royalty. Look, I, I, I still find that unbelievable, man, the yeah. fact that I, I always thought when you talk about knighthood and um, – Royalty. I'm thinking like swords and armor, and yep. you got to speak with a British accent. You know what I'm saying? Like, but now I did see the sword. I did you posted. Get a sword. You did get a sword, right? Like sword. a very, very big sword. A How big heavy sword. is the sword? It's heavy. It's a real sword. It's a but, real broadsword. But no British accent. No British accent. Oh, I don't no. think I'm very good at the accents. <laughs> I'm not gonna get you. I'm not gonna get you to try the the British accent. I ain't gonna put you on the spot. But man, besides that, man, I'm so grateful you're here. Of course. Um, honestly, bro, I don't think I'd be in this position if it weren't for your inspiration. You know, we we haven't been rocking together for a whole. You know how sometimes people talk about their friends and like, man, I've been knowing you for twenty something years. Yeah. Like we we just started rocking together a few years ago. Like That's right, right before the pandemic. Or probably during right before the it was right before. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we had a couple of um, initiatives that we worked on together, yeah. and, and you dropped a book. Yes. Right. What's the name of that book? In the right seat. In the right. Do you feel like you're in the right seat right now? I am in the right seat right now, my <laughs> brother. I'm here with you on your first show, man. Ain't love, no better seat than that. Listen, let me tell you about this book, but before you tell us about that okay. book, okay? Because in the right seat was a book about purpose. Yes. Right. And I met you at a pivotal point in my life when I had thought I had reached, you know, everything that I had dreamed of. Right. right. I'm talking about success in terms of career. I was making money, mm-hmm. great marriage, lots of kids, house. Lots of kids. Don't, lot- don't slide past that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Houston, you'll get to know that real soon. I got yeah. five amazing kids. children. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully crazy. Beautifully crazy. <laughs> um, but I, I had everything that I thought that I, I needed. Yeah. Right. Or wanted. Right. But I still found myself in this sense of like despair. I felt lost, confused. It was your book, right? Your book, In the Right Seat, that helped get me back on track. Wow. Right? So tell us a little bit about that book, man. To God be the glory, brother. Um, The the heart behind the book was, I believe that God created all of us with a purpose, um, that he placed something deep down on the inside of us that if we don't find it, we spend our whole lives yearning for. And I feel like depression and despair and all of the the emptiness that so many of us feel is a direct result of us not operating in that place of purpose that God created us to have. So in my journey, which I know we'll talk about during the course of the next hour, um, I have found that there is a pathway to find that purpose. And I've seen it not only in my own life uh, to becoming, you know, in the position that I'm in now, but also when you go back and look at the lives of people that we admire, celebrities, entertainers, uh, business executives, doesn't matter what the industry is. There are three factors that always intersect, that align, that define their purpose. And that's their passion. Yep. That is their proficiency or their skills, gifts and talents. And it's their positioning. It's the relationships that they have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when I look at you, I know that you've had the gift and the talent among many others of just being a great host, being a great MC, having that personality, that character, that charisma. Well, you're too, you're too kind. 
time, man. No, I, bro, I, I get lucky sometimes. Anybody <laughs> that knows you would say that I'm telling the truth there. So you're my brother, and I'm here, and I'm proud of you. But I'm also saying it to use you as an example. Uh, you have a passion for reaching people. You have a passion for imparting knowledge. You have a passion for seeing people live their best lives. And then you got the positioning of being here at one of the most incredible radio stations in the country as well. The most so, incredible. The there most. Okay, let's Come take on. one of the out of there and say the most incredible radio stations. So when you put those three factors together, you are in your right seat now. And it's why today is such a momentous occasion. So when you are able to help point people in the right direction and help them to identify that no matter whether you're a singer or or an athlete or whatever, because we tend to look at celebrities and athletes and say, oh, they're in their purpose because we can see it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. all of us have a purpose. You just have to find those factors and where they intersect in your life to find your own right seat. No, absolutely, man. And it's almost like you can't really have one without the other. Because we've it. seen so many stories, right? Like right. these incredible talents, these very gifted people, especially in the realm of basketball. We've all seen it growing up, you know, playing ball in the streets, right? Yeah. And you're like, man, that dude is so good. Why didn't he ever make it to the league, right? right? He right. was passionate about it he might have even been proficient right but he never positioned himself right right. or sometimes people can position themselves they might have the proficiencies but the passion Passion is not there there. right right. so it takes all three and what do you call it again the what call what the intersection the The nexus the The nexus nexus. that's it right i always knew i was like man it's some sort of matrix term (laughs) right (laughs) when you're in the nexus that's right right. that's when you know it's like it's it's you're gelling that's right it's that moment the the vibe is right the energy is right it's like um uh man it's like you start to glow right (laughs) come on leroy yeah that's what i was looking for the last dragon (laughs) um but anyway man that that um, again, I can't thank you enough for writing that book. I appreciate you um, for that, brother. That book li- really led me out of that place. It gave me the pathway. It gave me a blueprint. I literally studied it. I read it. I dissected it, and I, I took notes. I was wow. like, "What am I passionate about?" Yeah. Then I started asking myself, "What am I good at?" And I did this in my thirties, mm-hmm. right? This this is something that I did. I guess you call it a midlife crisis, whatever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was writing down, "What am I good at?" And then I started writing down, "Okay, well, what circles?" Am I involved in? Your like, where am I already positioned? That's right. Not where do I want to be positioned, right? But where am I currently serving? Right. That's my right. church, local community service initiatives, right? People yeah. that I know, and it it helped lead me to this point. I love that. Um, which is something that I'm going to announce later, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I got you. Um, one thing I forgot to mention. One thing I forgot to mention, and I do this all the time just to give you a hard time. You know, we <laughs> we got a you know Grammy Award winner. Here he goes. Yes. Did you? Br- I, I was hoping you'd bring the Grammy. I, I, I know you don't you just carry it. T- with you should have texted me and told me. I could have grabbed a couple trophies. I've out never of the seen a Grammy in person. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, man, what was that like winning a Grammy? And what record was it? That you you got the Grammy on. Um, the best feeling in the world is knowing that something that you have done is recognized by the greatest authorities in the industry in which you do it. Um, and so being a part of a record that's won a Grammy, uh, being a part of records that have won Dove and Stellar Awards, having that one thing I said on an, on an interview many years ago, I said forever for the rest of my life, people will always refer to me as Grammy Award winning, like you know. And I can remember being a kid and watching Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones when they had those arm full of trophies. And uh, and that was as a child, that was an aspiration for me. I knew that I had a gift for music. I knew that I would write songs. I knew that I'd create things that would touch the world and impact people. But when the industry that you're in, because Grammys is voted on by your peers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when people that are in the same industry that have put in the same time as you, when they acknowledge what you're doing, it's an incredible thing. So the Grammy win was 2013 for Lecrae's uh, Gravity album. Yeah. 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 One of my and we did. We did 10th Avenue North uh, higher song on uh, Lecrae's Gravity album. Yeah, it's so dope, man, when, um, you know, hip-hop artists can come together with other worship uh, bands. It, it really created a magical moment, man. Yeah. Magical moment. Man, you've had uh, an illustrious career. Thank All you, these man. things that we've just listed off, um, one thing that many of you out there might find surprising is that my homie has not always been at the top of the mountain. That's real. Right? How does somebody like yourself end up homeless? You want the you want the long story? <laughs> Take me back. We got an hour, bro. We, we got, got an hour. hour. You know, hour. you and I can talk for hours. I need but... to go back to the beginning because first yeah. of all, let me let me paint the picture. Um, you also come from a, a great family, yes. Right, your dad is a bishop. Yeah. You know, pastor. an apostle. My dad's. Apostle. I'm a bishop. My dad's an apostle. There yep. you go. So he he's a, a pillar in the community, yes. right? And and so it's not like. You have this tragic story. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. take take me back to how somebody like yourself ends up without a home. Gladly. Long story short, my brother, the, the big thing for me was I signed a record deal 
I had the dream. Same thing we're talking yeah. about now. I, I When I was a kid, I knew that music was going to be my path. I, I pursued singing. I pursued songwriting. Very young age, I was singing in the church. Every time somebody would give me a microphone, you couldn't pay me to stop singing then. And uh, got a full music scholarship to Louisiana Tech, started working, singing with my gospel choir, my group, my brother Emmanuel and, and our older friend Lamont formed a group called Serenity. We start, We thought we were the Young Commission. You know, we, I, I was Marvin Sapp. Uh, <laughs> oh, you my Marvin. brother was Mitchell Jones, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we had that type of a, a group that we put together. And uh, we got discovered while I was 19 years old at Louisiana Tech. We were open for the Mississippi Mass Choir at my college. They came to Louisiana Tech and performed. Uh, their road manager was an A&R for a record label okay. here based here in Houston that was with Polygram. I'm going to tell you how long ago that was. I bet that's a name most listeners have not heard in many years. Um, but so we were performing at our college. They heard us and said, we got to sign you guys. Y'all are the future of gospel. That was their thought of us then. They and, sold uh, you the dream. They, they sold, they sold dream. us a dream. And and I think they believed it too. Um, the media back home did a big thing covering us. We had a big signing party like it was a major event. And so I moved to Houston. I left. My, I remember vividly um, finishing my last finals, my junior year of college, and my dad came and moved me out of my dorm, moved me to Houston, Texas, where the label was based. We were going to start. V. Michael McKay was our first producer. Oh. Most of what I know about songwriting, I learned at his feet. Uh, and so we came to Houston, started working on that first album. And Dave, they tried to replace my older friend that was in the group with us. His name's Lamont Scott, uh, because he was married. He had a family. He had a home. He had a career in Shreveport, where we're from. We, my brother and I, were we were teenagers. We didn't have a family. We didn't have any of those things. So they wanted move, a group. Could, we could you know, go where they wanted. And... But at nineteen, with loyalty. Yeah. You ain't understanding you're replacing him for a business reason. It's no, we were a group. We came together. We worked together. To You heard us as a group and signed us as a group. If he doesn't stay, I'm not singing. Mm. And they froze our contract out. Ouch. So that's how I ended up homeless because I didn't have any family here. The one family member that I had, her, uh, her name was Margaret Ruth James. She was my great aunt. She lived here. and My brother and I moved in with her. She died of cancer that same year. So I had no family here, and instead of me going back home, you mentioned my family. Mm -hmm. That door was always open, but my yeah. pride kept me from going back. Ooh. Keep in mind, I said the media at home covered it. We were like local celebrities. Anytime there was a concert or something happening in Shreveport, where I'm from, yeah. we were the ones that they would call to come open the concert. We were the ones that they would say, oh, they're, they're next. They're about to do it. So imagine going through all that, signing a big record deal. The newspapers covered all those things, and then you lose that deal and have to come home. Mm. I wasn't going to go home that way. And- I have two younger brothers. I'm oh, the right. oldest. So as a brother, you understand, the last thing you want to do is show your little brothers that if life gets hard, you can turn tail and run home to mom and dad. No, we're going to figure it out. So I suffered as a result of that. Like, you know my story. Like, yeah. I lost teeth, uh -huh. you know, from being homeless. Like, and I can afford to fix them now, but it's my testimony. When we talk about Jesus after he was resurrected, what was the first thing he did with the disciples? Hey, listen, I know you, 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 I look like me, but let me show you my scars so mm, I can mm. prove that I am who I say that I yeah. am. Oh, Doubton Thomas, you didn't, you didn't believe? Uh -huh. Come here, put your hand in my side right it's now. Still you, there. You feel the, it's still there. These are my nails. Yeah. You know, so for me, the biggest thing was, is that we go through life experiences. We don't know that we're making a behind the music VH1 story. Yeah. No, no, you absolutely. know, but, but we trust God in the process. Speaking of that, man, yeah. not knowing because it's easy to talk about it now, I'm sure. Right. And it's, it's not necessarily a badge of honor, but it's something that's like, hey, I went through the storm. That's right. But when you're in the storm, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, let's talk about it. Because it's hard to see the trajectory of what God is doing when you're in the middle of it, right? right? When you're in survival mode. Right. It's one thing when you're thriving, but when you're surviving, you're just looking for your next meal or, Literally. you know, the next, you know, spare change or, man, do I have a roof over my head? Can I get yeah. some AC? Well, in Houston, can, yeah, in Houston, can I get some AC? Oh, yeah. We needed some AC um, in them days. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you was homeless in Fifth Ward of all places. Of like, all if places. I'm homeless, I'm going to the gallery. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but... <laughs> yeah, you anyway. might get a few dollars if you're asking for something. At the you know they got free food at some of the hotels in the morning. You can just kind of. Like I didn't stroke. know that. Oh, I, I would have been in the gallery. Look, man, I, I I'm not saying I would have been a good homeless person, but I, <laughs> I I'd have figured it out. Um, needless to say, when you were in that moment, yeah. like, what was your mindset like, bro? I went through severe depression. I cried myself to sleep. Um, I have never been suicidal in my life. I went through suicidal thoughts during that time. Um, I love to honor the people that were there for me. I had some friends of mine that that loved me through that. Uh, my brother, Jay Tell, who, you, who I believe you've had the pleasure of meeting, yep. uh, you know, his cousin, uh, Courtney, 
um, Courtney's girlfriend at the time, Lamika, my, my friends Gary and D, that allowed me eventually to come and sleep on their sofa. Like these are people that are uh, that were there for me that would bring food and slide it through the burglar bars of the studio that I was locked inside of when I was homeless. Because one thing I didn't share, I went from sleeping on cardboard boxes outside to there was a, a record label that was based in Fifth Ward that I used to do production work for immediately following the deal dissolving. Yeah, yeah. He owned a studio in Fifth Ward, and when I got tired of sleeping on the streets and dealing with all the rats and all the other things, he said, hey, come sleep in my building. But he would he, the guy would get high on wet. He's passed away now. But he would get high on formaldehyde dipped in uh, cigarettes, and he would lock the burglar bars of that studio, and he had the only key. And sometimes he would be gone for weeks at a time. I'm locked inside that building. So there's no. So you were almost like in jail. It was like being in jail. Yeah. So imagine if the building had caught on fire. I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with you because there was no physical way to get out. And so my, the people I just named, my friends that I love more than anything in the world, they would come and bring food and slide it through the burglar bars of that building to make sure that I was able to survive. Like I went through a, a, a level of deprivation that I had not seen. When you look at homelessness on yes, TV yes. and films, oh, they yes. don't show the ugliness of it. I, what's the name of the movie with Will Smith? The Pursuit of Happiness uh, Pursuit with Him and happiness. His Son? Yeah, they, yeah. they give you little glimpses. Glimpses. But it's a whole, imagine that being your entire reality yeah. day in and day out. Bro, I, if it wasn't for God, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have made it through that at all. For God and for those people that I named that I love dearly, I wouldn't have made it through that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, and and coming out of, so talk to me a little bit. As you progress, right, you had people that kind of help you out, pass your food through the burglar bars, sleep on the sofa. Was there a plan in place as you were like, hey, man, I can't do this much longer, right? Like, what did you begin to formulate a plan? Were you just reaching for scraps? Like, talk to me. How did you really, like, pull yourself pull yourself out? And I know it's a it's it's a loaded question. It's okay, but let's take it by step. step I got by step. you. I got you. Um, there was a night that happened that that people that know my story have heard me share before, where uh, my friends that I just named, uh, I believe it was it was J. Tell uh, Smoke and, and Lamika Courtney and Lamika had just brought some food from Fiesta. I still remember the Fiesta bag, caramel popcorn, the, the lunch meats, and all the things they brought for me. And I remember thinking I'm gonna be all right for a little bit longer because uh, you know once you've been homeless, you know how to ration your food. You you can look at it and know how long you can last on it mm-hmm. before things go bad. Like you hey, can listen, do that. you ain't gotta be homeless. You just gotta have five kids. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> 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 I've been, no, but but so I get I get I got this the food from my friends. I had this particular night. One of my friends named Dave had brought me a sleeping bag so I could zip up because there was no heat in this building. This was the winter of 2001. Mm. This is right after the towers fell, Dave. And uh, so I'm I'm zipped up in my sleeping bag. I've got all my food over over near me under the chair in the the control booth of the studio where I'm sleeping. It's freezing cold. I can see the breath. You know, it's that kind of cold. And I woke up in the middle of the night in the darkness to the sound of rats eating that food. Mm. And that when I talk about being suicidal, that was the moment I was like, I can't do this anymore. There was a pistol in the front desk in the in the studio. Um, Like I was ready to end it that night. And I cried out to God and I said, God, why am I going through this? And as clearly as you can hear my voice, God spoke back to me and he said, I want you to pay attention to every detail of what you're going through, because one day I'm going to take your trials and I'm going to make them your testimony. God said, one day you're going to win stellar awards. You're going to win Dove awards. You're going to win Grammy awards. You're going to have number one albums and the world will know your name, but it will not be for your glory. It's going to be for my glory. And he was gone. Hmm. That kept me from killing myself that night in that studio, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next day I reached out to Gary and D and I said, hey, man, the next time this guy opens these burglar bars, can I just come sleep on your sofa? I'll figure it out. But I can't be here anymore because now I have a purpose. Yeah. Now I understand that this is not just some situation I'm going through, but that God is actually going to use this for his glory. Gary and D allowed me to come. They had two little boys at the time. They allowed me to come and sleep on. They had a bunk bed for their sons. One of them went and got in the bed with them, and they let me have that bottom bunk. I got a job at a collection agency out in Greenspoint. They lived off I-10 and Federal, so every morning I had to get up and catch buses from I-10 and Federal. Buses. Buses. Multiples. Let's let's, let's add that S. (laughs) Multiples. Put the S's on that thing. From I-10 and Federal to downtown to Greenspoint every day, and I used the money I earned from that collection agency to build a studio in my apartment. How long did that take? Man, uh, I was homeless almost a year total. A year total. So a year from the time I was on the streets to start to being in an apartment putting together like a little studio. Right, right. And uh, Jay Tell and myself, and we had another brother named Maestro that we formed a team called Lifeline. We started writing and producing music for everybody. I would go to that job all day, be in the studio all night with my brothers creating music. The music we did got discovered on a website called PMP Worldwide, which is where record labels and A&Rs could go to listen to music. You would, They would list all the artists that were working. It's like a looking list today. This is before IG, I assume. It's before IG, yeah, way before IG. Don't date me on here, man. Don't date me on here. <laughs> 
said polygrams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already dating myself. But PMP Worldwide, the owner of the studio that we were working out of outside of my own space, his name's Copilot. I want to honor him as well. He would he paid for us to get on that site. And so, like, if Lil Wayne's looking for stuff or, or in the gospel world, Kiara Sheard or whoever, you can submit as a creative your music, and then the labels and A&Rs can go into those submissions and listen to the work. And you pay for that access. A guy named Nick Vello in uh, that worked for Beluga Heights, which is J.R. Rodham. He did Rihanna's SOS. He, he was yeah. dating Britney Spears at the time. He's a megastar in the pop. Where he, Jason Derulo and Sean Kingston are his artists. He discovered them. So all their early music, he produced it so people know who he is. His A&R, Nick Vello, was in their back office at Beluga Heights in Beverly Hills. I'm just coming out of being homeless. And found our music on the internet. And I still have the email now where he said, hey, love your music, let's build. And within a few months, Jay Tell and I were in Beverly Hills writing and producing songs for what we were writing at that time for a bunch of established artists that Jr. had relationships with. So we were taking shots at Plies and T.I. and B.O.B. and Nicki Minaj and trying to write songs for Britney Spears. And and all the songs that we were submitting were gaining acclaim and, and, you know, being well respected. And Nick knew Lecrae. Yep. So as he got to know me and heard my heard my story, uh, you know, he, he he reached out to us. He's like, hey, man, you guys started doing gospel rap? And I'm like, nah, gospel rap's whack. <laughs> and, and to all my gospel rap friends in the industry that may hear this, no, I love you guys, but I was coming from a at different headspace at that, at time. that time. It was not right? what it is now. It's evolved a little it's bit. It's evolved a whole lot. <laughs> Um, and, you know, but he he kept insisting that we work with this guy Lecrae, and I I'll never forget. Nick said, "Hey, man, he's gonna win a Grammy one day." He was already nominated for Rehab at mm-hmm, that time, mm-hmm. the previous album. And I listened. I was like, "All right, man, I'll listen." And he sent us that song "Background" with Andy Minio when he was going by. What was his name? Light something. I can't uh, remember what like his name. Light. Sea Light. Mm-hmm. Before he changed it to uh, went to by, went by his real name, and it blew me away. And I remember Jay Tell and I went to go. I don't know if you guys know who Cheese John Williams is, who mm-hmm. produced most of. That's my big brother. So we got to go sit down at his house in Dallas. And just work on music. And uh, I was still working at that same call center, same collection agency. And I'll never forget getting a call from Cheese January of the next year saying, hey, go to go to iTunes. You got the number one record in the country. Ooh, Bro, please. I yelled. I'm yeah, sitting at my yeah. desk and uh, I'm in a corporate office. I'm buttoned up and I'm, you know, I'm pursuing my dream by night. And I yell. I didn't know how else to respond in that moment. Uh-huh. And I remember all the executives and all my coworkers coming and looking around like, why is Billy yelling in the office? This is not a place for yelling. <laughs> this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate behavior. <laughs> and uh, they came and stuck their head around. And I'm like, look, we got the number one record in the country. And that same album that was Rehab the Overdose went on to win the Dove and the Stellar Award for R&B Hip Hop Album of the Year. Yeah, man. And that's what started everything for us. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and God's been doing incredible things since. I, I want to go back to the call center, though. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> Let's do go it. back to the call center because I think oftentimes when people hear about purpose and passion, like mm-hmm. I got to pursue my dreams. Yeah. And they forget to create this financial foundation. Of course. Right? Like you had to survive. Like I, I keep going back to that word yeah. survive, right? Yeah. You couldn't pursue your passion had you not had some sort of stability, even if it's a little bit. That's right. right. Making sure the basic necessities are taken care of and, and this and that. I had a family, David. Hey. I had a family. And the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So you're working, right, for yeah. a call center right. and still recording tracks and writing songs, traveling. How did that go with your supervisors? <laughs> with the supervisor, bro, let me tell you. So actually, true story. Um, we have the overdose when we, we the stellar we won first, the dove came later. So the dove awards, I had approved vacation time to go to Atlanta to the Fox Theater for the dove awards. Yeah, I took that whole week off, paid time off to go to Atlanta for the dove awards. I'm there with Lecrae, with the team. The award wins. I come back, I work the whole next week. They know that we won this award, and I wasn't, I mean, I was posting on social media, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get called in the office that Friday of the next week. I work the whole week. Monday Monday I work, go to the studio. Tuesday go to work, go to the studio, so on and so forth. Friday at lunchtime, the vice president of the company, who was my immediate supervisor, calls me in his office. And if you've ever worked in corporate America, you know when they say come in and shut the door? Mm. This is not going to be a conversation you would necessarily yeah. have planned on having that day. Take a seat. Yeah, take a that seat. That wasn't the right seat. That was not the right seat at that time. <laughs> but it was the position that God had me in in that moment. And so he sits me down and he says, uh, you know, Billy, we Googled you. You're everywhere. And he turns his computer screen around at his desk. And there's a picture of me on the front cover of Soul and Former Magazine from Homeless to Dove Winner. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was happening. 
but I'd shared my story with, you know, on the red yeah. carpet after you win, you share your story. Somebody had done a, a cover story on me going from homeless to, at that time, a Dove winner. And he said, hey, we knew that when you came, this was your dream. You'd communicated that. But now it's actually happening for you. So we love you. We're proud of you. But we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> and I'm like, let me go. I was here. I was on vacation. He's like, no, you got to understand. We knew this was your dream. And now it's happening for you. Now that you've won this award, you're going to pursue this in a new way. And we're proud of you. Go do that. But we need somebody here at the company that's going to be focused on our precepts and, and you know our priorities. And, and I had to respect that. No, absolutely. But I think I, I wanted to highlight that, man, because, it, again, uh, we run into a lot of people who of want to pursue some sort of dream whether it be entrepreneurship right. or artistry or or anything right and yeah. and 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 they despise Small their current begins. position yeah and i think that that's the quickest way to to get your passion or your purpose blocked that's right, right. You know, and uh, and what I hear, what I'm hearing, you're saying you were faithful over a few, yeah. Before he made you ruler over oh, much, Mister Sir Billy Come Dorsey on, preacher. Jr. Come on, preacher. Right. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> um, and you took care of business until you you essentially were were promoted. That's they right. They didn't fire you. They promoted, they promoted you. me. They the album we started the day after I got fired was Gravity. Mm. Let's go. So if you're talking about God's promotion and man's rejection leading to God's promotion, the if they had not fired me then, Jay Tell and I did 13 songs with our team to land the one that ended up on the Grammy winning album. If I'd still been working full time at that job, we would not have had the time to submit all of that music, yeah. write it, produce it, go get the artists that were part of it. We would not have been able to commit what it took to land on that record if I had still been working that job. So God allowed me to serve. I worked at that job for seven years. There were windows of time in between that we were building our name. So yeah, everything this wasn't like it a didn't few happen quick. No, this wasn't a few months after we got discovered. We worked for years building, going to jobs, going to the studio all day. Our marriages suffered. My first marriage ended, ended in a divorce. You know, my brother's first marriage ended in a divorce. We pursued what God had placed in front of us. And this opportunity that he came that he that he brought along later on came in the fullness of time. In the fullness. So of to time. your point, if we hadn't worked, we would not have been able to sustain ourselves long yeah. enough to get to that opportunity. And see, people make the mistake of thinking that because I have my eyes on this faraway vision, that God doesn't care about where I am now. But the scripture says that we are supposed to work as unto the Lord. Mm, so wherever you are in your current situation, you are supposed to honor that, not for the people that have hired you, although that matters too. Sure. You're supposed to honor the fact that God gave you the opportunity to be in that position, the, the position that you're in in that moment because how can he know that you are going to be faithful with the much if you don't honor the little mm. you know so I, again i worked at that job seven years and worked hard for seven years and still went and spent eight hours a day in the studio with my brothers creating music man powerful man it's like fuel it's like fuel nobody right. really like likes going to the gas station you know it's Come a tedious on. mundane activity right but yeah. that career was fueling you getting you to the next level right and right. oftentimes i think people forget to like to, to fill up the tank of purpose or fill up the tank of passion yeah. with what they consider to be mundane things, right? right. Um, but, but you just gave it a full new purpose. Everything was strategic. Everything right. from the job to the taking the time off, like it was a very strategic right. step to get you to the next direction, which right. we're going to talk all about all of those next steps and everything else that Billy has going on in just a few moments. We're going to take a quick, quick break. I'm sitting here with my good friend, my homie, Sir Billy Dorsey Jr. on the Still Save podcast on Houston's Inspiration Station. Praise 92.1. Man, listen, I know you appear to be at the top of the valley, um, and oftentimes we think, ah, oh, we made it, right? But we're still young. That's I know right. I joke around and I give you a hard time. It's okay. It's okay. You know, you got sir. a couple grades coming down in there, too. Oh, man, you sound you like my saying? kids. <laughs> but um, talk to me, man, because overcoming depression and suicide is not like an end point. Right. Right? It, I, I, I get it. You know, you go through a moment where you hear from God, and you're like, hey, I avoided it this day. Right. Do those thoughts, feelings, moods ever creep back in? Yeah. I mean, success does not preclude you from the trials of life. Um, you know, I, my dad and I were talking the other day about the Bed Bath & Beyond executive who just jumped out of a window, um, what, last week or whenever that was. Look at Enron. We're in Houston. Yeah. Some of those people were worth hundreds, tens to hundreds of millions of dollars. And when everything collapsed, they couldn't take it anymore and, and ended their lives. Those things don't go away. Um, you know, this as my brother, my daughter was born extremely premature last year. 
Uh, she was due to be born June 1st. She was born February 20th. So three months premature. And, mm. and she was born the week of the freeze for those who were listening to, to kind of give some I context. That. She was born that Friday. And so the challenges of watching her have to imagine being a baby that's born preemie and you can't go to therapy because of COVID. Yeah. So the development that you normally would get immediately after that, that helps you to catch up. She couldn't get. And then we're wearing masks around her. So she's not learning how to speak the way that normal kids do by watching you, your mouth moving. Cause we're trying to keep her safe. I still had to go to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm around people and traveling and, and, you know, doing all the things that God's called me to do. So we're trying to keep her safe. She's been in the bubble, not been able to spend time with her little cousins because we have to keep her safe and watching all the challenges that she has to overcome. And she is, but watching her have to overcome all of those things is hard for a father. Oh, for sure. You know, I remember when your baby. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and then even this year, just some of the challenges of navigating in a business world, in a Christian business world where everyone is not concerned with the same level of integrity that we preach about. How do you build something that people are trying to take away from you? How do you establish something uh, when everything tends to be predicated on what have you done lately? Who yeah. are you? Who are you working with? Who are you associated with? Uh, rather than what is what has God placed on the inside of you? Like this is a place here at the station where they honor that. It's why right. God's you know creating the opportunity for you, but the world isn't like that. And unfortunately, the Christian world isn't always that way. Sometimes um, it can be worse. It can be, and I didn't want to say that, but and that's the truth. Sometimes, so, sometimes. You know, so along the journey, there have been moments. Uh, if my wife was here, she would tell you I went through a really dark period even earlier this year with everything that we're talking about, mm -hmm. leading right up to the investiture to my knighthood ceremony. Mm -hmm. Went through a lot of challenges this year, man. And so, trying to keep a positive. The hardest part is, is that men we talk to each other, mm -hmm. but men don't often talk about what they go through. We carry it. Right. 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 You know, so I listen to my wife and her mom or my wife and her sisters and how they can talk to each other and pour their hearts out and laugh and cry and do all that. So they're able to get through things. Well, we'll we text back and forth. Hey, man, do. I'm praying for you. Yeah, we do. We, I'm, hey, bro, I'm praying for you. I'm here if you need me. And yeah. that's the end of the combo. Well, what about when your heart's broken? Yeah. What about when you don't know which way to turn? You know, and, and, and everyone is not blessed with brotherhood that allows those opportunities. And so, yeah, there are moments. It's not frequent. Uh, but I have gone through the isolation of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I had my wife, so we had each other. But even not being able to go to the studio and create, not being able to travel and speak or sing, bro, it was hard. And on top of the trials, you know, it experiences with your daughter and everything right. like that. And I know the Bible tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, right? right. And so I hear you saying that those thoughts aren't that frequent. Right. What do you do when they do creep up? Because like you just said, they, they do. And, and and your success didn't, like you said, preclude you from trial or right. or any of that because you had your fair share of things to try to knock you off. That's right. Right. So what do you do to take captive those thoughts, making them obedient to Christ or when those feelings of suicide or depression try to creep back in? Because you know them oh so well. I know them when they're coming. Right. So yeah. what do you what do you do? I remind myself of all the victories God's already won. You know, my wife and I were up talking till two o'clock this morning and, you know, we have to remind ourselves of the fact that we didn't get here because God failed. We got here because every other battle that we faced, God gave us the victory. I got chills. And so for me, that's what I have to do is take my eyes off of the mountain that's in front of me and look back at all the mountains that, I, that God has allowed us to overcome. Mm -hmm. He took us through the valleys of the Shaye, though I walk. Mm. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. All the tables that he's prepared before us, all the victories that he's won, all of the times that we thought it was over and God yep. said not so, we have to remind ourselves. And there are scriptures that talk about that, but that's what I have to do, is remind myself that we're here because God won, not because he failed. Mm. And if he won yesterday, he can win tomorrow. Come on. Yeah, yeah man. Listen, listen, listen. And sometimes you just got to hold on. Sometimes yeah, you, you just got to hold on when you don't know exactly what it's going to look like the next day yeah, or the next minute. That's right. It's that ability to hold on, right? <clears throat> and yeah. to persevere even when you don't know the next step. Yeah. Um, I, I often compare it to uh, like a shipwreck. Yeah. Because sometimes we go through that, right? We, we're, we're in a good place and then something comes and, and it wrecks our entire ship, right? Mm -hmm. And so we lose a lot of stuff in the, in, in the process. Of course. But if you can hold on to something, maybe it's a log or a piece of, piece driftwood, of driftwood, what happens when something's floating in the ocean? Yeah. 
if it floats long enough, yeah, it will eventually reach land. Reach land. That's right. And then you can begin to rebuild. And yeah. and so I, I've learned that, man, going through my own valleys and my own darknesses, mm-hmm. that um, although it may be dark, dark for now, but joy comes in the morning. Come on. Right? Even so it may endure for a night. <sighs> but joy comes in the morning. What's Every- the expression? I, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's it. And we just have to remind ourselves. That's it. That's it. Why do we forget that sometimes, though? Because like, if I'm just being honest, like, let, let, look, look, sometimes we, we get to a point to where, you know, we have a great day at church or, you know, we've been in the word and we, we we're serving. We're doing all these great things. Yeah. Why is it so easy to forget and so hard to sometimes remind ourselves that, man, you know. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is still say podcast. <clears throat> Jesus was on the water. Peter was walking out of the boat directly to Jesus. Jesus was right in front of him physically. Like this. Probably like we are time, right yeah. now. And Peter still took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the wind and the waves. It is very easy when you're in the middle of a storm to take your eyes off of the peace at the other side and look at the things that are happening around you. That's human nature for us to do that. And I believe that the Bible lists that as an example and spells that out for us to to be able to envision it, to remind us that we're going to do the same thing that Peter did. Peter had, he was the only one of the disciples that had enough faith to step out of the boat. So he trusted God. I wouldn't have stepped out on the water if Jesus wasn't if standing just there. just being honest. If we keeping it a thousand, yeah. I wouldn't have stepped out. But Jesus is there, and he was the only one of all the disciples. Is that you, Father? Is that you, Lord? If it's you, tell me to come. Okay, come. And he stepped out on the water and started walking and still took his eyes off Jesus. That alone, like walking on water, come should on. have given you the, a, enough confidence for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> come on. And it, and it ultimately did. Yeah. But in that moment, the minute, the minute, even in the midst of him walking by faith, to your question, this, the wind and the waves still get in the way, and yeah. it's easy for us to be distracted by it. And when we're husbands and fathers, and we're trying to be strong for the people that we love that are depending on us, yeah, we can't show weakness. We can't. It, it feels that way. It does. You know, because if we break down, everything falls. You know, and so it's so important to give ourselves grace. To know that if Peter was in front of Jesus and still got distracted by the wind and the waves, so too will we. And it's it's important for us to remind ourselves that Jesus is still standing right there. We just have to take our eyes eventually off of what's happening around us and know that just as he reached down and grabbed Peter, he'll do the same thing mm. for us. Ooh, wee, man, yeah. man, man, man. So given your background, you have now become a champion here in the city of Houston Appreciate for that. homelessness and eradicating homelessness. Yeah. You've partnered up with the Salvation Army to yeah. do some remarkable things. Tell me a little bit about that um, and some of the work that you're doing now yeah. um, with the Salvation Army and some of the impact that you're having here in the city. Gladly. So in 2019, myself, my brother Jay Tell, Deborah Duncan, uh, and the leaders from the Salvation Army that were present at that time, that, that leadership has since rotated out. We we had the opportunity to go to the Jones family residence, which is where they house homeless women and homeless families. Uh, and we heard them share their stories of how the Salvation Army helped them to overcome homelessness and to get through that situation. One of the ladies, she and her husband ended up homeless because she had a, a car accident that damaged her back. Her husband had just started a job. He had to leave his job to take care of her. They ended up homeless with their two kids. Salvation Army took them in, gave them not only a place to live, but also helped them to get their finances together, taught them how to budget, helped her to get back in school. Now she works for NASA. Like they've got those kind of incredible stories. And so what we did. Those Billy Dorsey kind of stories. (laughs) (laughs) Those those God did it again. Let's go. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we listened to some of those families share their stories. And then we had the opportunity to create a project called The Safest Place where we wrote songs based on their stories. The actual, the title, The Safest Place, comes from the the mother that works now for NASA. She's a NASA engineer. That she said, when my family and I were falling apart, all we needed was a safe place to fall apart. And so immediately, I started typing in my phone, and and she's crying and sharing the story. She's probably like, oh, my God, he doesn't care about what I'm saying. She's like, do you need to get that? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm writing song ideas based on what you're saying. Please keep talking. Uh, And we created a music project. You you remember Jay Renee that passed away in the car accident? Yeah. yeah. Jay Renee Uh sang that song. She blessed us with her gift. Um, you know, shout out to her mom, Lindsay, and to uh, to Dada, her her manager and friend that allowed her to be a part of that with us. We brought artists from across Houston, Nina Sims and some other talented artists to sing the songs based on these families. And we created a project and then we created an NFT. So it's got 10,000 pieces of art because we know 
Salvation Army already does so much good. Their, their catchphrase is doing the most good. That's what they do. But so many people think of them as only disaster relief. Like there's Hurricane yeah, yeah. Ian. We know that they're there helping right now, but they do so much more. And we wanted to use our platform to help shine a light on that. So it's the music project. It's an art project. And then we just finished producing our first documentary. Yeah, man. November 10th. Uh, with those same families sharing their story in the creation of the project. It's already brought in more than $3 million. Mm. And it's already helped to house 950 families. That's families that were homeless. I'm not talking about shelter them. I'm talking right. about put them in homes for yes. themselves. 950 families that this project has already helped. And we haven't even done the official launch. Well, it was yesterday. Mm. So I am excited about that because I believe that if God allows you an opportunity and a platform, that you have a responsibility to use that to impact the lives of other people. And I get to do that with the Salvation Army. I mean, how does that make you feel? Man, but before you answer, before you answer, how does that make you feel knowing that you were once in need of a safe place? Yeah. You were in probably one of the most dangerous places being locked in. It wasn't even, a, I think it's even more dangerous than prison, yeah. honestly, because you couldn't get out. Yeah. But, and now going to helping 900 plus families, yeah. raising over $3 million, yeah. um, the, the work that God has allowed you to do, how does that make you feel? I shed a lot of happy tears. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, like God said, one day the world would know my name. He told me that when I was homeless, when I was suicidal, when I was at my lowest point, that one day the world would know my name, but it wouldn't be for my glory. It was going to be for his. What he's doing right now through this project is it's all for his glory. It's blessing people that don't ever have to know who Billy Dorsey is, but it's giving them hope that God saw them, that even though they're Peter walking and, yeah. and drowning, that he's going to reach down and grab them too. And, uh, and if I do nothing else in my life, the fulfillment that comes from knowing that we're helping these people and transforming their lives, I get to meet those families and see their kids running in their yards. And, you know, part of the documentary, we go to their homes yeah, and go yeah, to see yeah, them. Yeah. Bro, it's the best. Man, I can't wait to watch it, man. November I can't, 10th. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. You got, you got documentaries, you got the book, um, you know, you've been a producer, writer, yeah. <clears throat> you, you kind of alluded to being able to sing earlier on. Uh, are you going to, are you going to take advantage of the vocal abilities at some point? Like you are one of the few people that know this. <laughs> um, my wife obviously knows it. Um, I have a meeting with, uh, Monarch music with my friends, uh, Omega George and Darnell and Gina over at, at what was E1 for those listening, but it's Monarch music now, October 18th. I'll be there. The double words are the 18th. We are going to do another Billy Dorsey album. Mm. Um, so that's going to happen now. We're, we're starting that process. And I'll share for those listening, my focus in this one isn't to sing as much as my marathon or my other records right, that right. I did. This one, I actually want it to be something. Uh, I'll share what parts of the vision I can share publicly and we talk offline about the rest. But I feel like with gospel music, the legends are overlooked. Um, I feel like in black music is the only style of music or the only, I don't want to say genre because there's multiple genres in that, but only category of music where we don't honor the people that influenced and inspired us. And I want this record to be something that combines the people that inspired us that are still living, that are still vibrant, still gifted and have it with the artists they inspired. So the project is, I don't know if this is the title, but the idea is evolution of gospel. Mm, so right. I want to be more of a DJ Khaled. You saw my post. Yeah, DJ man. Khaled I saw that. I want to be more of a cheerleader for the talent. I'll write and write and produce the songs. I want to base music on songs that are legendary songs of yesteryear, but create new music. So imagine if uh, John P. Key and Zaccardi, obviously Zaccardi was heavily inspired by John P. Key. Absolutely. Imagine putting them on a song together that re that references John P. Key's legacy musically, but it is a forward-thinking sonically production yeah, where you get yeah. to hear the new version of John oh. P. Key, which is Zaccardi, mm -hmm. and the legendary iconic artist that John P. Key is. Like, imagine a project where it's that type of thing. That Listen, you might have just you might have just spoke that into existence. I, I don't see yeah. uh, you know Zaccardi wouldn't mind. No, Zaccardi <laughs> wouldn't mind if you could pull the strings with uh, uh, Unk. Uh, you know, and he we signed might, to Monarch Music. Listen, we we might be able to make something happen. Uh, you know, it, it brings back to memory. Uh, I, I know you probably see what Tim Bowman does, yes. where he honors the the one he just did with Israel Houghton, though. Yeah phenomenal exact same type that of thing. catalog i didn't even realize the catalog of music israel has like i cried the whole way through because yeah. each one of those songs has had like a there's a there's a moment in my life that those songs that i can different. go back to where yeah. i shed a tear where i worship where i cried where i yeah. praised and i i'm here for it 
Yeah. The DJ Khaled of gospel music sits Come right on. here. I mean, that's the best way. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. That's that is the next chapter for me, and uh, you know, I, I'm excited about it. I've been praying about it. God gave me that vision a while ago. I had a call with E1 or with Monarch Music a week or two ago, and uh, I got the green light to head down there. So I'll be speaking to the next generation of songwriters at the Dub Awards during that week, uh, and then start the conversations for the record so i want to see that happen at some point next year and i want to pull in all of the legends yeah like my father-in-law is bo williams but yep. he's still one of the greatest singers oh, in the world what you know but he's inspired so many people how do we create something where the people he inspired and he get to do something musically together that showcases his legacy but also showcases how they've taken it to places that he didn't yeah, yeah. you know musically what does that sound like i'm excited so without like revealing that. anything about the album mm -hmm. right give me two of some of the people that you would love to honor on the record just just in general let's just say like they're not on the record because i know you don't want to disclose what's going on and but just in your personal journey throughout your life two two artists that have heavily influenced you heavily influenced me in gospel music yes in gospel music. fred hammond is definitely number one on that list i got the opportunity to talk with him when i i was a, an, actually a, a a host for a radio station at the stellar awards and it's got to be seven or eight years ago now um and I got to tell him how much he meant to me. When I was a kid growing up, commission was everything to me. Like I learned how to do runs, singing along with him and Marvin. Yep, uh, yep, I learned yep. vocal arrangements. I learned how to write songs that make you feel. I learned that those a lot of those songs came from conversation uh -huh. and the right based on it. Like my approach to music and what my ear tells me is good was shaped by Jodeci and by commission. If I'm going to keep it a thousand. Hello, and Jodeci is out of the church too. So it's the same thing. <laughs> So Fred Hammond, for sure, although he's definitely been celebrated, I feel like the the, the young, my kids don't listen to him. Right, right, But right. they listen to Jonathan McReynolds. Sure. You know, they'll, they'll listen to Ty Tribbett, but, you know, and Kirk is still relevant. He's, he's, he, he goes beyond generations, but. Uncle uh, so definitely Fred Hammond. Uh, and I'll tell you another name that people wouldn't think of, Vanessa Bell Armstrong. Mm, okay. How yeah. many female singers, female and male, but certainly female singers were inspired by her vocal approach, yet we don't publicly celebrate her today as the icon and vocal beast that she is. Kim Burrell is, is a branch off of her tree. Now, sure. Kim is a giant in her own right, but that dynamic, uh, melismatic, riff-heavy style of vocal, Vanessa Bell was doing that when I was really little. Yeah. Why is she not celebrated? And who are her descendants musically that we can combine? That can so kind of carry just two. I've got a yeah. whole list Oh, I know them. you do. I know you do. Yeah. Look, listen, I can't wait to check out the album, It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to check out the album. Yeah. Um, before we go, before we go, we got a few more minutes. Um, I want to do two more things, Talk right? Um, one is I want to honor you. I know I did it early on in the show because, um, uh, like I said, here at the Steel Safe Show, we love to break down the breakthrough. I invite people that I believe have some of the most transformative stories on the planet, and you have just demonstrated that. But I want to honor you because, again, your book, and not just your book, but the phone calls that you, you answered, right, and <laughs> the text messages that you respond to helped me climb out of a very dark, scary place. Um, the, the book gave me uh, a blueprint uh, for how to navigate the valley and the storm. And I'm super grateful. I want to tell you that publicly. I know I've said that to you privately, but I want to tell you in front of everybody how grateful I am for you. And thank you for writing that book. Um, because I don't know if I would have been here had it not been for that. Um, I appreciate that. Bro. And the many conversations led me to write my own book. Come on. Actually, I didn't. I didn't. Re I had already written it. You told me. I had already written it, and it was by reading your book. I began to read my book. Wow. And I was like, "Hey, man!" And I, I began to read it, not to edit it, not to proofread it, not to you know all that stuff that we do as authors. Of course. But to 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 dig for hope, for healing, yeah. and to see if it it really works. Right. And it did. So we decided to republish it. Come Today on. is the first day I'm announcing it in front of everybody. I haven't said anything except for to, to a few people around town. Love it. Um, but the power to change is yeah. out now. Come on, power. The power to change. to change. A personal playbook for change and personal transformation, man. Okay. And 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 I, I want to say it, it's a lot due to you. And I'm to very, God very grateful. So, with that being said, all right, one more order of business before we leave. Okay. Let's just say you 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 walk you walk out of the studio right onto your next thing. And you happen to to bump into somebody who appears to be in a similar position that you were in many, many years ago. Maybe some young man. He appears to be homeless. He shares that with you mm -hmm. um, down on his luck. 
and, and, and doesn't know where his next meal is coming from, um, no family, what what are some words of encouragement or advice that you would leave him before you walk away? Without getting into any Christianese or any platitudes, the first advice that I would give to that young man is you can't think if you if you're hungry. You can't you can't create, you can't aspire until you take care of the things that are fun, you know, fundamental, that are foundational. Go work somewhere. There, there are opportunities for you to get on your feet somewhere, bro. I, the, the parts of the story that we don't have time to share. I got a job at Burger King. I, you know, I, I did whatever I had to do, scrubbing toilets. You know, like you do, get get the ground under your feet again first, and build from there. Um, and the the next thing I would say to that person is, once you've got that, it's the what's the hierarchy of needs? Maslow's yeah, hierarchy yep, of needs. Exactly. Take care of the foundational aspects of your hierarchy of needs first, because you can't think dreams and vision until you take care of. I need a place to sleep mm -hmm. and, and food to eat. Uh, Salvation Army is there if you need help there. So there are opportunities and, and resources there. The next thing I would say to you is look back into your childhood at the things that you've forgotten that give you talents and make you great. Because the seeds are always there. I don't know yeah. how much time we have, but I want to be mindful of that. Nah, we got six minutes, man. You good. Bishop T.D. Jakes preaches a message with him and Stephen Furtick that transformed. It was in alignment with what I was already doing, but his presentation of it transformed my life. And he talked about in that in that hour long talk, for those of you listening, find it on YouTube. It is incredible um, where he, he starts talking about planting seeds and he's talking about one of his grandchildren and how. The grandchild was running around the church and saying, granddad, I can turn the lights on and granddad, I can help and let's take a photo. And I don't want to be in the picture. I want to help organize it. I don't want to be in the photo. I just want to hold the light. And he's talking about how all of those things watching in his grandchild, he can see that those are seeds. Put that baby in some administrative and managerial and leadership courses because it, he's seeing those things at, as a young age in his grandchild. We get away from all of the things because life beats them out of us. Life is designed to make you acclimate and assimilate into what is accepted rather than stand out with the things that make you unique. Go back in your childhood to the things that, that, that gave you joy, to the things that people might have said at some point, hey, you're really good at that. You, you actually got a talent at that. See if there's something there that can become the basis of your passion and your proficiency and start to establish something that's authentic. Stop looking at social media. Stop looking at the people around you. Stop looking at where other people have found success because that's their journey. You have a road and a path that is unique to you, that is unique to what God has placed on the inside of you, your life experiences, all of those things, that if you can find the core of that, the seeds, to Bishop Jake's example of mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that's going to bring forth the tree that yields the fruit that transforms not only your life, but the life of everyone around you. So first, get your foundation right. And then the second thing is, is as you're starting to think of your dreams and your aspirations, look back throughout your life at the things that are unique to you that you can build upon to mm. build your future. Mm. Man, you heard it here first. Appreciate Billy it. Dorsey. Sir, Billy Dorsey. Sir. Man, thank you, man. Of course, bro. Thank you so much for always being there for me, for always. coming out and kicking it with us. Yeah. Guys, Houston, thank you all so much for tuning in. That's a wrap today. Don't forget to check out the Salvation Army. We got so many more projects coming. The Safe Place. The safest place. The yeah, safest place. The safest place. November. November, November 10th. 10th of this year. Yes, and if you haven't already got the book, The Right Seat. The Right Seat. You want to make sure you're in the right seat by my man Billy Dorsey. Please check out the book, guys. It'll change your life. That's a wrap for today, guys. The Still Save Show here on Houston's Inspiration Station. Praise 92.1. We'll see you next week.